Hey, welcome to On to Waveland, presented by Tops. Check out Tops Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Tops baseball cards. You know, that's that's the intro here at On to Waveland, but uh, like, my brain actually engaged with it in that moment. I'm like, man, that is wild that Tops has been doing baseball cards for 70 years. Love that stuff. Uh, so anyway, yeah, this is On to Waveland, Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I am Brett Taylor, joined by Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney, here to talk all things Cubs, and I think... As I was observing this weekend series against the Tigers, the Cubs, of course, took two of three, and two wins were one was kind of more in the blowout vein, but the other was pretty comfortable. And then the loss was that back and forth wild one on Saturday. Uh, the Cubs lost it in extra innings. And it occurred to me, it was like, how perfect did that series go in terms of what we think the Cubs are, like where if the Cubs are going to be good and they're going to flip a switch, they're going to sweep that series. And if they're going to just kind of be like good enough for us to be like, Oh, you know, they're hanging around, they're going to take two or three and it's going to look like a comfortable taking two or three. Uh, so it, it's, it is, it, that was my sort of overall take from that series. And there was certainly some individual stuff to really appreciate. And I guess I, I'm going to start by just mentioning Kyle Hendricks yesterday. And that's not a great Tigers lineup that he's facing, but that was just such a, vintage Hendricks performance where actually it was a, a uh, historic one for him personally. I think that was the most called strikes he's ever um, had in a start. I believe I saw Jordan Bastian uh, tweet that out uh, 30 called strikes out of his approximately hundred pitches, which is crazy. Um, but yeah, he looked fantastic locating basically everything exactly where he wanted to. So that was a really nice thing to see, particularly after two previous starts that I thought he looked really good too. that. Pirates one was the one with the fluky hits, but I actually thought his pitching looked really good in that one. So that was, that definitely stood out. Ian Happ getting some hits from the right-handed side was very nice to see. Uh, bullpen uh, with some mixed performances in there, but still like the young guys looking really good. Uh, dig that. And uh, well, and then let me, I'll set this up. You can you can comment anything you want from the series, but I'm going to set up a particular player because there was a particular guy who had a huge game on Saturday. People are loving to love him right now. And and you guys wrote a fantastic piece on this guy that you can plug and share things from. But anything else you want to comment from the series, fair game as we're kind of kicking things off. Yeah, I mean, Kyle Hendricks continuing to look more like Kyle Hendricks, I think is huge. I think, you know, there's no chance of this team doing anything if Kyle Hendricks isn't if he doesn't get back to who we know who he is right so i mean we we talk about how bad this starting staff has been to start the season uh if he's not right if he's not getting i mean i think the called strikes what you touched on right there is exactly who he is right when he's on he's getting called strikes you probably want to see more swing and miss in general with the changeup, but i mean that's you know once he's commanding the pitch i think this is a, a big first step or you know a big step for him in general getting back on track clearly the the command is there uh in general it just feels like yeah i mean it's four and four and these uh these first 26 that i kind of was hammering uh, or these these tw- this stretch of 26 games where I think 21 of them are against below 500 teams, uh, four and four to start it. I mean, it's just it, I, I think we just keep getting more and more evidence that this is who they are, right? As long as this team before the trade deadline, whatever whatever happens after the trade deadline and after the moves are made, they may be significantly worse. But right now, this is just you know they're among the 
team of like group of what 20 other teams that are just kind of like meh this is baseball right now a bunch of average teams they have some things that you can point to that that are like oh that's interesting that's kind of fun and i think uh, you know tonight is is a nice little reminder of the past and the future with lester and and Al-Zulai going i i kind of like that uh seeing you know lester is going to get some love from the from the crowd at wrigley but sir uh, sir yeah sir that's a later part of this podcast episode. Okay, sorry, the, I jumped ahead. What we're talking about what just happened. I don't have, and look, and I'm cutting you off too because I don't have the emotional bandwidth to go through thinking, thinking about these guys coming back, talking to my heartstrings. Then we go back to talking about something else, and then doing it to me again. It's gonna right? make I'm you sad. My tears. Okay. For later. I'm sorry, Brett, but I'm I'm amped to watch Alzali again. He's he's the reason I, I I'm most excited for Cubs games right now. Alzali in the future. It's it's something worth worth talking about in my opinion. But fine, fine, fine. We'll talk about the weekend. Aside, <laughs> <laughs> let's not just glance over this chance to rip the Cubs present. And my takeaway, this is a very brief <laughs> moment. And I just got to say, like, I, I know you aren't, um, I know you aren't like embodying a role or anything. Like you're not, you're not the heel <laughs> of the podcast or anything, but it just cracks me up because it was like, I was not anticipating that at all. We're like going around the group and then it's like, it gets to Mooney and he's like, Hey, wait a minute. We got to shit on this team for a second. Just, I was back. I was backing you up, Brett. You know, I was talking about the past and the future. I'm like, you know, I'm Joe Madden living in the present here, man. You know, I'm in, I'm in my, in my basement living in the, in the, in the moment. You know, and my takeaway it was a random one, and my Zoom attention span is very terrible, which might explain some of my interjections in this podcast. But the Detroit. I believe it was Detroit's play-by-play guy asked David Ross on Friday's pregame Zoom something about his impressions of the Tigers, and Ross didn't like mean to come across like Nick Saban talking about a directional school, but he said something like, they're a major league team, got to play good to win or something like that. And I'm thinking, like, <laughs> you're the Cubs right now. Like, you're not – you don't get to, like – overlook any opponent when you're like five and four against the pirates i believe and you've totally missed this opportunity to kind of change the conversation and pad your record before a week that features the two teams in the last nlcs from a full season and then just an absolutely brutal june schedule with two west coast trips against maybe the three best teams in the national league a trip to New York to face the Mets, and at least one series, I think, in Milwaukee. And the Cardinals might be thrown in there, too. I don't know about that, but, I mean, this whole – they're a major league team. you got to play good. You know, everyone's a major leaguer out there. It's like, come on, man. Like, they got to they gotta clean it up. I mean, their starting pitching has not been good. Like, period. Second worst rotation in the majors. Like, that's where that's where they're at right now. Yeah, if, if I could go back to the weekend uh, and, and <laughs> instead of talking about the future uh, – I, I think, I mean, what happens with Trevor Williams is going to be a storyline going forward. I mean, Ross didn't come out and say, I think Ross kind of backed him on Sunday, essentially saying, you know, he'll make his next start. But I mean, when you're start, when you're already talking about whether a guy's making his next start or not, is, you know, is Keegan Thompson going to start getting those starts? Is someone else going to earn a, a start in the rotation? I think is, is a conversation we're probably going to be having unless Trevor Williams gets back to looking like he did the, you know, that second and third start, maybe more than what's been pretty rough lately. I mean, it, it seems like they're not 
he's not fooling anyone. No, it's the, you know, I remember <clears throat> early in the year when he was having those very nice starts and he's got that nice four-pitch mix. I was looking at some of his pitch charts and one of the ones that StatCast does, you know, they, they're color-coding the pitches and where he was working each of his pitches in the zones, it looked like this beautiful rainbow because he was locating every type exactly where you'd want it to be. And uh, certainly the last three starts, he's not like he's not throwing a bunch of dick balls out there. It isn't that. It's just that he's clearly <laughs> not locating where his stuff works off of itself, you know. And um, the charts just haven't been pretty. He's averaging under three innings per outing the last three starts. Um, and I think you're right. Uh, you know, I, I saw a quote from David Ross who was asked about Justin Steele and Keegan Thompson specifically, like, oh, might, you know, they came up as starters. Might they get a chance in the rotation? And he kind of deferred by focusing on how well they're doing as relievers and just want to keep riding them like that. Fine. But even if you were to exclude them as possibilities, and even if you were to say, ah, oh, well, Alec Mills is hurt now and we kind of like him in that swing role, the reality of what Trevor Williams is to this team is that, yes, he was brought in to have a dedicated rotation spot out of the gate because the Cubs wanted to see what they could do because he's had success in the past. Uh, he's only 29, great individual pitches. That's a guy in this mode that the Cubs are in. You bring in and you see what he can do. But it's not as if he's the only starting pitcher available to them right now that you might also want to fit into that same mold. Now, I know that like when Shelby Miller was up, I understand the wildness, particularly in the first outing, was like, of the kind where you think, oh, something is just like deeply wrong. Um, but if I could be a, a bit of a homer, he, <laughs> he improved the next like three times out. It was still quite bad. Don't get me wrong, but it, but it improved. And then he had the lower back injury. And now he's made two very interesting starts there at Iowa. And he's a guy who's going to have to be activated at some point. He happened to start the same day as Trevor Williams. Just saying he's on the same schedule. Um there are guys that you're going to want to maybe take a look at in the same way that you wanted to take a look at Trevor Williams. And so I don't think it's unreasonable to suggest uh, that we are coming to a point where the Cubs might have to make a decision like, okay, let's see what happens if we do this. Um, because it isn't just about trying to stay competitive through the year. It's okay. We just we want to know what pieces we have for for the future, and so uh, I'm glad you brought that up because I'd sort of forgotten that that was a very um, telling pull. I thought after just two innings of and they were they were poor, but maybe he could have straightened it out. You never know. But David Ross basically said she didn't feel like the the hitters were fooled by anything and that it wasn't going to get better. Um, but oh, that same game. So here's this was the plug I tried to give you guys, but no, you didn't jump on. You, the, at the Athletic right now, uh, you know, subscribe to that the wonderful website that these two guys write at. They put together a fantastic piece on Matt Duffy, who uh, thrice gave the Cubs the lead on Saturday. I had already written up like my post gamer, and it was with Duffy driving in the winning run in the tenth there, because of course Craig Kimbrell coming in that, that game's over. <laughs> stupid ground ball through the shift and another stupid ground ball up the middle. Nothing, you know, whatever, uh, ruined that. But he did thrice give the Cubs the lead and, um, you know, obviously putting together a fantastic season. And I thought that the anecdote that you guys got from his agent, that there were teams that were already looking to bring him 
into the front office of the coaching staff after last year was really interesting, particularly given he didn't show up in the big leagues last year. And so I think it would have been fair for teams to be like, oh, is he maybe, you know, about hitting that point? So uh, I thought that was also the Alzali story was really good, too. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I I appreciate that type of stuff where I find it interesting when a guy can come into a clubhouse and, and already have like suddenly have that impact. It's been what? you know, three months that he's been with this group and he's he's able to have that type of impact uh, on a on a youngster. I, I thought that part was cool too. the Alzali stuff, how Alzali reacted to it and, and brought it up uh, out of nowhere was was interesting. And, and just I mean, I, I guess I'm not surprised because uh, years ago I talked to uh, like I was doing national work for Baseball Prospectus and I remember talking to this Giants team <clears throat> and talking to like Hunter Pence and and Buster Posey in that clubhouse and and they all brought up Duffy who was a a rookie that year it was 2016 and they you know they they had had a solid was that the year wait so 15 they won the he came up briefly in 15 and then he was a, his rookie year yeah or, I mean I mean 14, 14 and then his rookie he, year was 15 okay so I talked to them in 15 is when I talked to them because it was a year after I was gonna say it was like wasn't it even year magic okay yeah I was getting my years mixed up anyways they they all brought up Duffy about someone who's a young guy and came up immediately and and started producing because that's what expectations are and fit in right away with the clubhouse and and understood what it meant to be in a winning culture and all those things you know all those buzz things buzzy things that you don't really know how to measure you don't really know what they mean until you know you hear baseball players talk about it all the time and and then you start to believe that it's actually a real thing well it seems like Duffy has those intangibles that the Cubs have been searching for that too right it's not just his contact ability what he does on the field it's also the stuff off the field I it's a good story in the sense that I don't think he was on any of our radars in spring training really and, and he barely was on anyone's radar the first two three weeks of the season right so it's a it's a very out of nowhere situation we'll see how long it lasts I don't know how long these you know he's he's hitting the ball well he's putting the ball in play even when he's making outs he's putting the ball in play and for me I, I've I'm sure I've ranted about this plenty but I'm just growing really tired of of the lack of contact in baseball and and strikeouts and walks and homers being the only thing we watch uh and I I try not to be like oh the game's changed and it's not as fun as it used to be I, I enjoy baseball still it's just just watching him consistently put the bat on the ball, yeah, it leads to some unfortunate double plays. But for the most part, it's obviously been a huge boost to this team, and it's it's completely turned this offense around. I don't know; it's not just him, but it's just like it coincided with him being in, inserted into the lineup, and it's it's a very different offense to watch now after three weeks of just dreadful baseball. Here's a. Uh, an anecdote that wound up on the cutting room floor of our story. Um, Duffy's agent, Paul Cohen, I was asking you know, how long he had advised him, and they went back to Long Beach State. And I was kind of curious because that's a big-time program, and Paul has also represented uh, Evan Longoria and Troy Tulowitzki. And, you know, if you're at Long Beach State and I'm playing the left side of the infield, and you usually go higher than 18th round. And I was, was just kind of curious, and – the story I was told is that his junior year, he was banged up and, you know, he could have rested for say a month and gotten healthy and put up, you know, far better numbers. But he said, no, my team 
needs me. I got to keep playing through it. And he was kind of struggling to the point where Matt's dad turned to Paul and said something like, you know, should I really appreciate these last few weeks? Like, is this the end of Matt's career? And Cohen kind of laughed and said, he's like, I've been doing this a long time. He'll get drafted. Don't worry about it. It won't be as high as we thought, say, going into his junior year. But I think the takeaway was that's his kind of team approach when it was like, you know, a really critical juncture at his career. He just decided to keep playing through it no matter what it would do to his draft stock. And obviously he wound up in a great place. You know, the Giants had a, there was a relationship there. Um, they took a flyer. Uh, he got to the big leagues within like a little over two years and on a team that won the the World Series. And I think the impression he made, you can just look at the comments to our story. There were lots of Giants fans who were just, you know, randomly typing out, you know, like, I love that guy. What happened to him? I have a Duffy jersey in my closet, stuff like that. And I was like, he only played for the Giants for, you know, really a handful of months. But uh, it is impressive to see the reaction of someone like Alzale. And there are times where it feels like the whole leadership angle is extremely forced, especially in like spring training when people just keep asking about it. But it's not about telling us you're a leader it's showing it and uh there's a great job there of getting that scene on camera where you could literally see him in the dugout kind of like motioning Auslai over uh to go talk in the tunnel and you know the Cubs were legitimately disappointed when they didn't sign him I mean granted they didn't try hard enough to give him a major league deal like that certainly would have been uh a tipping point but they wanted him like from the top down they repeatedly were on him and and finally uh this offseason uh they were able to uh make a deal and he's going to be quite a trade ship in july am i right no i'm just kidding kidding. he is uh, i was thinking trevor williams might they might make up like a phantom injury and then all of a sudden after they trade like 40 percent of their rotation they give him say 10 starts because he's still arbitration eligible next year i mean it is fine i heard it here first yeah no i mean i I, like i think that's a legit good point because like you know, if you could maintain a controllable guy for one more year in the rotation, if you had reclaimed him this year, <clears throat> that was part of what I liked about his signing in particular. And obviously it hasn't uh, gone now, but um, yeah, Duffy, unfortunately for Cubs fans who are falling in love, he uh, qualifies for just full on free agency after this year. So if they want to keep him around, it'd be, man, that's a whole side conversation for later. It'd in be year. a good fit for the Giants again. Well, I mean, now if he if he has a year like this, and particularly knowing all that ancillary stuff, I mean, there's sixteen teams that should want him. He's going to get paid hundred mil, Matt Duffy. Uh, all right. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream Directv satellite free. Directv gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Now we can talk about the National Series <clears throat> with uh, John Lester coming back to town, uh, having uh, signed with the Nationals on the one-year deal. Timing just wasn't right for the Cubs, or so the story goes. Uh, Kyle Schwarber also returning to Wrigley Field. Uh, similarly, you know, I don't know. I, I don't mean to cast aspersions because, like, 
I don't think you have to buy management's party line all the time, you know, unqualified. But I do look back and try to observe these things objectively. And 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 when the tender deadline came around with Kyle Schwarber, I was surprised at a non-tender, more so because the trade market was zero um, than the actual fact of the non-tender. And then when he ultimately did sign with the Nationals, although most people commented, oh, see, he got more than he would have gotten in arbitration. The Cubs clearly made a mistake and they were just throwing uh, him away to save money. Well, for one thing, there's a huge portion of that signing is deferred as the Nationals do. And furthermore, you know, arbitration projections aren't the same thing as the actual numbers guys get in arbitration. And that was particularly going to be a wonky one coming off this past year. And so um, I don't know. I, I can understand how that played out and the Cubs felt that they upgraded in style in Jock Peterson in left field. And then with John Lester, similarly, when he was ready to go and the Nationals were pushing and ready to sign, the Cubs just felt like they didn't have the cash flow available to commit at that time. And so they couldn't do it, so they say, because then they later ended up signing Jake Arrieta for more. So I don't know. I, I kind of, I hope that that isn't what the conversation is this week. I guess that's why I lead off with it because I'm trying to punt it to the side so that it can just be, there's fans in the stands. John Lester's going to walk out to that mound. He's going to get an amazing ovation. There's going to be a beautiful pre-packaged video. As soon as Kyle Schwarber takes left field, he's going to get all that love. Kind of wish they weren't doing it at the same time because I, I wish they had each, you know, their, their moment. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not like actually weeping at this, but I am a little emotional thinking about those guys coming back and the, what they've meant to the organization. And I'm, I'm excited for, for this series and for tonight in particular. Yeah. You know, uh, as someone that's not a fan, I'm, I'm curious to see, like, it's undeniable the impact Lester had, right? Lester changed the, everything about this organization, right? He, he, there was a narrative around the group that that he helped push into a, a different area where they're a winning club with expectations on them uh, every year now, right? That this is not that that was not the case before John Lester arrived. He was a big part of that. Schwarber, for me, I, I do wonder. I, I would think that there's mixed feelings by fans. Fans probably look at his numbers and say, like, oh, they made the right decision. The same old Schwarber, uh, and, and you know, I, he's a He's always been one of those players for me personally that's been like, oh, it's on the verge of being a really good player. And then something pops up that that keeps him from really delivering and 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 being as good as he was. I still think those last two, three months of 2019, like that was just like a taste of what he could be. And, and we just can't get that consistency. So I, I do think like the, the little difference there, it, it is it feels different uh, to me as far as Lester and Schwarber, but obviously there's there are fans that, that have a you know place in their heart for Schwarber, but uh, Lester is just a complete, on a different level as far as the way I look at it and the impact that he had on the organization and, and the type of reception. I, they both should get uh, great receptions, but Lester is just like, I mean, he, he changed everything. I need to give two shout-outs, one to our colleague Maria Torres, who asked Lester on the Zoom on Saturday, like, what was your welcome to the Cubs moment? And he referenced the 2015 Cubs convention, describing it as a whole nother bag of Cracker Jacks, and that uh, people talk about what you did before COVID, and his, his head, like, exploded thinking about that room. So I 
obviously turned on the Google machine and uh, found Bleacher Nation's uh, wrap ups from <laughs> all those days. And it's just amazing <laughs> to think of like all the topics covered during then, like MLB's air quotes tampering investigation into the Joe Madden hire. Uh, Theo, oh, Theo being asked if Chris Bryant would be ready for opening day lol um <laughs> you know, jed and theo talking about going to Publix and getting wine before meeting madden at the rv park <laughs> um and then oh, the, the big re- reveal about how the bleachers wouldn't be ready for opening day which then reminded me how like so many of the bathrooms wouldn't work on opening day and that was just like such a cubby occurrence and that yeah I mean you can't write the history of the Cubs without those two guys I know Kyle Schwarber wasn't the like Dustin Pedroia like uh, monster offensive presence uh, that they hoped for but like when they drafted this guy I mean everyone thought it was a, a reach and he absolutely delivered in like the biggest sporting event of uh, a baseball of anyone's lifetime in that clubhouse. I mean, in terms of the possible outcomes for the number four pick in the 2014 draft, I mean, and all the uh, unforgettable moments he created for the Cubs, I mean, they got to be at like, you know, the 98th percentile of what they could have possibly hoped for, if not higher. Oh my gosh, that was that was a really fun <laughs> stroll down memory lane there, Mooney, because I, I, you know, you immediately put yourself back where you were for all of those. I mean, uh, you were hung over during that convention every day. I think. Well, that's so and, yeah, and the Wi-Fi been, was bad, but other than that, yeah, it was well, a good so, recap. It was very helpful. Yeah, it would have been that Friday, you know, where, where Lester would have been referring to the pack to the opening ceremonies where you're shoulder to shoulder and you just can't even because that year in particular, people were. I mean, that was the that was as hyped as it gets, right? Because yeah. it was Lester's arrival or Lester, yeah, and Joe Madden and Madden's arrival, yeah. And uh, I think people started to sense that the things were turning. And um, and then certainly, yeah, then the Saturday is always a, a rougher go. I miss, boy, <laughs> I miss the convention this year. Can't wait for that next year. People, uh, you know, it's not, not for everybody, but I, I do love being packed in there with, what did you say, a bunch of Cracker Jacks? Yeah, you can <laughs> you can count me among, among them. Uh, well, Lester was so, a noticeable absence for like the last three Cubs conventions too. Like he, he did. did. I don't know if he even did have to. There was always suddenly a celebrity he golf a, event in Orlando. He had a yeah, scheduled next, event. Next that, yeah. Yes. When you were win the World Series and the, the biggest uh, and best free agent deal in Chicago Cubs history, your suddenly your your schedule for uh, January it fills up, and you're like, oh. I don't think I can make it that it's the, year. It's the coldest weekend of the winter. There's like NFL playoffs going on. You have to go to spring training in like two weeks anyway. Like, how about you just come, come to Chicago, <laughs> and stay in an ice covered hotel? How is it um, always snowing? It? Like, it's always it's one of always the biggest brutal. snow weekends. <laughs> it's, it's so it's ridiculous. Like the worst. Yes. Oh, and I love it. I just, God. So now I'm getting nostalgic about that too. Uh, so no, uh, I, I want to note too. It's funny, you know, I hadn't thought about other than the fact that they both joined the nationals. I hadn't thought about in the way that you guys are talking about these, the nature of Schwarber and Lester both being emblematic of a lot of things about this period of the Cubs because they did arrive in the same year. Lester, of course, at the end of the year in December and Schwarber was drafted uh, that summer. So actually Schwarber, strictly speaking longer with the Cubs organization than Lester, which feels 
kind of weird when you think about it. But but yeah, it's it's like Schwarber sort of embodied that what the Cubs draft spirit was from that period and came up and contributed so significantly to the success, including his miraculous comeback from the knee injury. And then John Lester was uh, on both, you know, both a literal sense, he's a pitcher, not a hitter, but also he was the big money free agent signing who came in and immediately contributed. And I mean, I think there's a lot of ways you could point to the two of them as being um, more than their individual contributions for, for this period of the Cubs. And so, um, yeah, it'll be great to see them back. I'm glad there will be fans there to be able to give them that moment. Um, I, you know, obviously I hope the Cubs pummel John Lester. And I, I think that would be fun. I saw a line that, uh, he's pretty excited to face Anthony Rizzo. That's, that's the one. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I wonder maybe, maybe if, if things go really sideways, we'll get Rizzo pitching to Lester at some point late in the game. Uh, that would make, that would be a fun matchup. <laughs> That would, that would be a classic ending to this. Yeah, I, I would like to see that. Uh, so he comes to Nats. It'll be a four gamer. Uh, Starlin Castro also back. Although, and he, he's been back, right? Like, yeah, they so, played surely, his walk. But, they played oh, his walk up yeah, music, or Rizzo yeah. used his walk up music once before. They did a yes. nice little yes, some gestures. Right. And I think his Cubs time and uh, listening to Cubs people talk about. I think there's been a growing appreciation over the years for what he was able to do at such a young age and Anthony Rizzo mentioning this idea of you know wanting to play 162 games every single season that was an Alfonso Soriano Starlin Castro kind of uh mindset that um Rizzo unprompted has mentioned I'd say more than once over the recent years yeah I uh I had forgotten they had the the tickle fight that was that was bryant and castro uh, yeah. so I don't remember only, exactly what you're talking about like vaguely i remember but, yeah that was you great. know they got it was like a it was um <clears throat> uh victor caratini got trucked by might have been Derek dietrich uh okay. former cubs former cubs legend Derek dietrich. and uh when they came out to sort of like jaw off to the side you had castro and bryant and Bryant just gives him a little poke right under the ribs. <laughs> and just they're laughing off to the side. Oh, it's great. It's delightful. Uh, by the way, Castro, he only just turned 31 this year. I mean, Jeez. he's 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 one year older than like Matt Duffy for for context. And yeah. just he's been around forever. Came up at 20. Um, so yeah, nice nice little reunion and um, uh, Alex Avila also coming back, which you know. <laughs> Some Cubs fans have some fond memories there, and uh, Josh Harrison, former Cubs prospect. You know, he never you, you don't you don't get that love for 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 Harrison, but he is strictly speaking former Cub. Uh, I like to point that out. So uh, good series for a gamer. I think we've got a Max Scherzer Jake Arrieta matchup later in this series, which maybe not what it would have been five years ago, but still a pretty fun um, uh, matchup. And we will be back at you, I guess, at the end of that series uh, on Thursday this week. This is On to Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I am Brett Taylor. You can catch my stuff at Bleacher Nation. That's Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney. Get their stuff at The Athletic. And sincerely, go subscribe if you haven't already and read that Duffy piece. It's great. Just It just provides you so much more context for 
um, how a guy like that can be important in more ways than you see um, in the line uh, score. So uh, appreciate that piece, gents. So thank you all for listening. Rate, review, subscribe. Get us wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll be back at you soon. Thanks so much. Take care.